This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made For This podcast. Well, it has been so fun to see all of you engaging with this season. I just want to say thank you so much for being part of it. And focusing on our kids for a few weeks has felt really important to me because we're all in this passing of the baton to the next generation, whether you are a teacher or a Sunday school leader or a small group leader, or you have nieces and nephews or you're parenting or your grandparenting, like we all feel responsible that this next generation be as free as they can be and that they not be in bondage, especially in their minds. And of course, that has been the area where we find that they are most in bondage. So this season has been so, so important to me personally, just to see all of you engage and want to fight for this next generation. I just want to say thank you for that. And this last week, you're going to love it. We have incredible guests coming on Thursday. And today we're going to talk about isolation and what does it look like to fight for our kids to not live lonely? Because a huge part of the book, if you've read Get Out of Your Head, is about community and doing this alongside other people. That sometimes we need that friend that we can call and say, hey, help Help me get out of my head. Help me process this thing that's causing a lot of anxiety in my life. And and we always, you know, need those those people that you can phone a friend and say, hey, help. And our kids are no different. They need their people as well. So today we're going to look at a passage that Paul wrote about what it looks like to do life and community together. So let's start here in Colossians 3, verse 12 through 16. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one of you has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, as you also must forgive. Above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, even as I read that, I'm smiling and almost giggling inside because I'm thinking to myself, of course, you're going to start this episode about how we bring up our kids in health and wellness towards you know, a love for God with this kind of idyllic few verses about life together and how we spend it well. Because I mean, how many of you feel like your kids' lives look exactly the opposite of that? That it's not full of spiritual songs, it's full of yelling, and it's not full of forgiveness, it's full of rage and your kids yelling at each other, and that it's not full of encouraging and peacemaking and, and admonishing one another. It's, you know, it's just, it's not that. And, and what an idyllic picture to start with. But I want to be clear that one thing I've said again and again in this series is that we have to keep the end in mind. So if we're keeping the end in mind, which is this, these verses, that they would be peacemakers, that they would be full of song and thankfulness and gratitude, that they would be full of forgiveness for other people and even for themselves. If we're working our way toward this kind of idyllic place where they are spiritually mature, walking with God and other people in health, then we have to lay the groundwork in these years to progress towards that. I remember when I had toddlers and they were throwing a fit in Target, my friend would say, I just look at other people and say, we're in progress. And so that's what I would say to people is, hey, we're in progress. Everybody gets that. Like we're not supposed to have perfect five-year-olds. We're not supposed to have perfect even 
18-year-olds. We're all in progress. That's true for all of us. But especially while our kids are in our care, that we're responsible for their behaviors, for their actions, for their words, you know, in those years, we really are in progress. So let me just speak that grace over you right now. As you hear those powerful verses of what, what they could be, who they could be in the world, I want you to think, you know what? We are in progress, but we want to progress well. And there are certain roads that the scriptures tell us, hey, take this road towards life and peace. Take this road towards gratitude and forgiveness. And what that usually fleshes out to look like in scripture is in community with other people, not doing life alone. And if you were to ask this generation if they feel lonely, almost all of them would say yes. And that is incredibly troubling. So let's talk about where this comes from and why is this generation so lonely. We're going to have a pretty brutal talk about a couple things in my family. Number one, we're going to talk about social media and how we do that because I think it's really, really important to understand technology and to have a strong plan for it in the lives of the kids that you love. And then secondly, we're going to talk about how we function as a team. And I talked a little bit about this last week in week three, but I want to go deeper into how we protect each other and how we fight to stay close as a family, because I know that is so important to so many of you. You want to raise kids that like you, that love you, that you like, and that you want to be with. And so we're going to talk about how we have created really such an close family unit and where that's come from. So first technology, because I do believe it is the greatest enemy to connection and to deep relationships for this generation. They don't know life without phones. They don't know life without screens. And their entire childhood, they, they just, it's the same as breathing. Just being on a screen is a big part of their life. And we are those parents that are pretty strict. In fact, our kids feel like they're the last ones that get a phone. They're the last ones that can have social media of all their friends. We wait a long time for that. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But a huge one is just this idea of loneliness that we believe once they really engage with social media, there seems to be a connection to social media and mental illness. We see kids in the dark, on their phones, going to bed late at night, scrolling and seeing their friends having fun together and doing all these great things together. And they're on the outside of that. And that, of course, is going to be a miserable way to live. When we were all in middle school, you know, I look back at 20, 30 years ago, we were feeling all those same things, but it wasn't right in front of our faces. We might hear at the lunch table whisperings about a party that was happening or something that we might be left out of, but we never would see these, you know, pictures and evidence and just flashing right before our eyes constantly. And so I think it's such a hard time to feel connected and to not feel isolated and left out. And the suicide rates are showing that, the mental illness rates are showing that. How do we help kids feel loved, seen, and connected? And so I want to begin with social media and technology because I think we've got to be the parents. We've got to be the grownups. We've got to be the people that say you cannot have that. And here's why. And not just you cannot have it, but the here's why part matters because what you'll see is that they have to self-govern pretty quickly. So you cannot overly parent all the way till you send them off to college or that will go poorly. You've got to overly parent and then you've got to back off. And so you're wanting to teach them the why behind everything that you're doing so that when it comes time for them to self-govern and to make these decisions for themselves, they built their own convictions and they understand why social media and too much technology is a negative thing for them. You know, we're on the backside of weeks of isolation for us during quarantine and, and during corona. And what I would say 
about that is I think we all realized a lot of broken things in our life. One of those broken things is just how we have put too much hope in technology to create close relationships. When you're Zooming all the time with your small group or with your workplace and you miss, you know, that face-to-face connection, there's been so many more you know, moments of tension we've had to work out in small group or even in our workplace. We've just had to figure out, okay, why are we having such a hard time communicating? And I read an article about it, and it's really largely because so much of our communication is the way we breathe, our facial expressions, just the way we look at each other with empathy. And when you're looking at a screen, a lot of that empathy and emotion and compassion is just broken down. And so we've got to realize that that's also true for our kids. That whenever they're just sitting there interacting constantly with their friends via screen versus, you know, getting together and going to a meal without picking up their phones and really spending time with their friends, you know, fishing or or whatever that your kids like to do together, whatever that looks like, you we've got to make time for that. And we've got to encourage our kids to have life on life face to face time with their friends, because playing Fortnite, you know, for two hours today, that does not count as bonding, although my sons would strongly <laughs> disagree. But I, I, I know that it's limited. And so we've got to be those parents that are that are encouraging our kids to have real friendships face to face, making memories together, getting in adventures together. You know, my son, my oldest son, Connor, he is, you know, 20 now. But when he was 14, he started a fly fishing business. And the reason he started teaching fly fishing camps and all of this is because he was passionate about getting his friends off technology. He and his buddy Walt would go down to the river every single day in the summer. And we lived near a green belt that had a pretty big creek that I think they thought was a river. But anyway, it was just a creek. And they would go down there every single day. And they would fish and they would come back up and they would try to get their friends to go. But all their friends were playing video games and they were, you know, catching and chasing snakes. They were building a little fort beside the river that they took a bunch of my dishes down to (laughs) and pots. They were having a ball and making so many memories together. And they were watching all their friends just zone out on technology. And it really broke my son's heart. And it still does to this day. In fact, he just launched his second outdoor company called How to Outdoors, H-A-U-T-A, Outdoors. And right now he's just starting with uh, fly fishing camps in Dallas and private lessons in Dallas, but he hopes to expand it to YouTube and all these things where he can really encourage the next generation to fall in love with being outside because he sees it as such an important part of his childhood and his life that he was a kid that played outside and that scraped his knees. In fact, he scraped his whole body one day on a skateboard going down a hill too fast. So, you know, he's made those memories and those memories have made him. And we don't want to miss those moments because we're allowing too much screen time for our kids. Connor has seen some of his best relationships and friendships come out of adventuring together. In fact, right now he's on a river with six of his friends from college and they're fly fishing for a few days and camping out and socially distancing while they do it. And it's just so cool to me that there are ways that we can help our kids fall in love with this. And I look back and we encourage that fly fishing thing. I mean, we got his first rod and we were giving him that freedom to go into the wild with his buddy. And you know what? There was a night or two that they weren't back by dark and their phones were dead and we could not find them. And there were moments that my mama's heart panicked, but I'm so glad that I gave him enough freedom to make memories and enough freedom to be outside and to have great friendships 
yeah, it, it is hard. There's lots of tensions with that. And I know there are with each person, wherever you live, if it's safe or not, and what freedoms your kids can have. But I do think it's important to find the ways that your kids connect best with their friends. You know, my daughter, she just grabs a bunch of friends and they used to before quarantine would, would just go to the mall for a few hours and walk around. And I mean, I, I could think of a million better ways for them to spend time, but they're laughing, they're bonding, they're face to face, you know, they're doing their thing. And that's okay, too. And I don't think it has to be a certain thing. But you've got to find what does your kid love? And how do they bond? And for some of your kids, it might be sports. For some of your kids, it might be riding bikes. For some of your kids, it might be having people over to your house. My, my older daughter, Kate, last night had six or seven kids to the backyard. And They were all spread out playing guitar and just hanging out and talking. So whatever it looks like for your kid, just find that thing and encourage it and help them with it. Hey, so in light of us fighting for these kids, we have something really exciting about to launch. It has been in the making, if you can believe it, for 15 years. Since my kids were young, I had a dream in detail of building products and books and resources for kids to understand God in a deeper way and want a relationship with Him. Guys, this is a dream come true for me that we're finally about to launch. It's an entire brand built to give your little kids a big God. So do not miss it. Go sign up right now. Give us your email at Theology, T-H-E-O-L-A-B-Y, theology.com. We cannot wait, wait, wait for you to see this dream and vision take shape. And we need a bunch of you to be a part of the launch of it. So go sign up right now and be the first ones to get all the information. You're going to love it. I cannot tell you enough how excited I am about this. And we want you to be excited with us and to dream with us and to help build this incredibly powerful project. Let's go. But our kids don't just need friends. In fact, for a lot of you, you don't have healthy friendships around your kids. In fact, they come home and they want to cuss and look up something inappropriate on the internet when they when they get home. So you, maybe you don't just have these godly friends that, that make your, your kid better and you don't feel like you can give them that freedom. Let me tell you where one of the greatest places for community can come from. It's in your home. And some of you may be a single mom of one kid. But still, you can be that kid's best friend. And I think that's been our goal as a family is great. We want to encourage those other healthy friendships that we see our kids making. But we also want our kids to not need those friendships outside of our family because ultimately we're going to be the greatest influence of their life. We purpose it that way. That's part of us getting to those Colossians verses that we're showing and modeling forgiveness. We're teaching them gratitude. We're showing them how to forgive each other. So how have we built that in our family? I want to speak to this because so many of you want a close family. You want to head and launch your kids into life and you want to be best friends with them. And let me tell you some things we've done because we really are so close to our grown kids. I cannot tell you. And even our younger kids, I I feel like we really enjoy each other. Every time we're together, we want to be together and we fight to be together. And when we are together, we usually are enjoying each other. So let me tell you practices I think that have helped shape that culture in our house. So one of those practices is we have required our kids to get along. And some of you are laughing out loud right now because you have no idea what that could possibly mean. You're like, how on earth? If I could make my kids get along, I would make them get along. Well, let me tell you what we do. We don't let our kids talk ill towards each other. We interrupt the fighting. 
We don't just let it run wild. We interrupt it. And and what I did when my older two were younger, they were the closest in age and they would fight so much more than any of my other kids have. And so when they were young, I had my son and my daughter, I would lock them in a room until they would work it out. So they could not leave. Now, sometimes they would be in there for two hours, but every single time I would do it, And again, we're talking maybe a handful of times in their whole lives this happened, but they would come out laughing. They will have completely made up and now be playing together in the room, like having the best time together. Another thing we did was it was absolutely punished beyond measure if they spoke badly about each other in public. And this is still true. We do not speak badly about each other in public. And what do I mean by that? I mean, they have each other's backs so that they know that while the rest of the world might gossip about them, the rest of the world might turn on them, the rest of the world might backstab them. We don't backstab each other. We always have each other's backs. And that was a huge value for us. And if we ever caught wind of even, you know, even a joking statement that a brother might make about a sister, it rained punishment down because we just took so seriously that we have each other's backs and that this would be a safe place in the world because the rest of the world we can't control. The rest of the world is going to beat them up. The rest of the world is going to cause them to feel isolated and lonely and discouraged. But at our home, you're safe. You're going to be edified. You're going to be encouraged. You're going to be loved. You're going to be safe. And we saw the biggest threat to that really in the sibling relationships. We largely were you know, in our kid's corner and not, you know, verbally assaulting them, but they would have at each other to the point of it wasn't okay. And I didn't want a house like that. I didn't want a family like that. And so we really have fought those fights and our kids like each other. Our kids love each other. They are not perfect. And there are certain seasons where they aren't close, where my 14-year-old daughter is very annoyed with her 11-year-old brother. And that is okay. We don't force them to just goo-goo-gaga over each other, but we aren't going to disparage each other. And we are going to have each other's backs and we are going to be kind. And largely, unless I, you know it happens out of ear range, it's been the case. And I think that matters because you don't want to let your kids treat each other so badly that they walk away from your house and they have a bad taste in their mouth. Like they're just trying to get away from where they were treated poorly. And that may not be from you or your spouse or grandparents. That might be coming from the siblings. And it's just not okay. It's like if you were a teacher in a classroom, you wouldn't let two friends have at each other like that. We've got to monitor that in our own house as well. Other things we've done that I think have caused us to be a close family. There is just so much grace. I mean, so much grace. It's probably sometimes too much grace. I mean, we are not those parents that live that song, you know, you got to win, win, win no matter what. Like that is not us. We are not singing that song over our kids. We appreciate our kids where they thrive and where they're excellent. But what we're after more than anything is relationships. We're after strong, healthy relationships with our kids and with our family. And we believe a lot of good will flow out of their lives when that is solid, when that is secure, that they are going to cause good in the world. And that may come from making great grades and getting an excellent job and causing thriving in the world in that way. But it also might come from raising kids and and teaching them to love God and love each other. And and I just I want to cover those bases. You know, I want to I want to believe in them and inspire them to do whatever God's called them to do. And that takes a lot of grace as parents to not try to control things and not be disappointed when they bring you bad news about what they're going through in their life and to hear the mistakes that they're making and to say, you know what, it's safe here and you can say those things. And it's not that there won't be consequences. We are big believers in consequences, 
but there's going to be grace and the relationship's going to stay intact. You'll get the punishment, but we're not going to stay mad at you. And I think that's how we've kept relationships with our kids, but still punished and still had there be a negative consequence. Now, why am I talking about all this in light of isolation? Because if we aren't a safe place at our home, then where are we expecting them to find a safe place? Because it's not going to happen in the world. And again, we want to encourage friendship, connection, real life relationships, limit technology, all that. But at the end of the day, what we can control the most is our homes. And how do we love each other? How do we build kids where when they're released into the world, they know how to go build those connections and to give those connections away to other people that may not have had such healthy relationships with family members. So that's our dream is to be a healthy enough family, not perfect. Oh my gosh, I've bragged on the best parts and left out all the negative. We still will have at it. We still have our days where everybody's complaining and I would just want to push them all out of the house and get a break. It's, believe me, we've been in quarantine together for a long time. But I do believe that it's possible and I want to model that, that you can have a close family. You can speak life over each other in your home and you can have a higher standard for your kids and for yourselves for the way that you treat each other and speak to each other. It's possible, it's worth it. Fight for it in your families and homes. And I promise you, they're gonna take that ability to make good, healthy connections into their families, into their friendships going forward. And I believe that's the greatest way we can change the world, is loving people well, building healthy homes where children are born and grow up knowing how to love and how to be loved. you're wondering where to even start with these conversations with the kids in your life, we made a free tool for you to do just that. If you go to JennyAllen.com, drop your email in, you can get the free Get Out of Your Head Kids Toolkit. It has every free guide we've made all along the Get Out of Your Head journey, like Anxious Thoughts Guide, the Mind Map, some convo cards, and we've boiled them down and made them for kids. So go to JennyAllen.com, drop your email in, and you can download that today.